eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of long-term recruiting analyst Mike Roach and hosted by Bobby Burton. Roach offers unparalleled insight into recruiting on the 40 acres. Each week, he crisscrosses the state, watching and talking to Blue Chip recruits. And I'm Bobby Burton, a 1992 Texas grad and one of the recruiting industry's founding fathers. I played a formative role in the creation of both 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook them. Mike, welcome in today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bobby. How are you? Well, it you know, T-minus three weeks, I guess, or two weeks from uh, – exactly two weeks from uh, our signing day. Is that correct? Yeah, two weeks from today, and then we can put this 2020 class to bed. Um, yep, but uh, Texas already was looking ahead to 2021 this past weekend. Um, that's one of the things we'll go over today. But first, let's get into the more pressing matters of, of what's finishing up this coming uh, or with this class of 2020. Six guys still left on the board. Kelvante Dixon, running back, wide receiver, athlete out of Carthage. Um, Savion Williams, wide receiver from Marshall. Uh, big, tall one that we need to talk a little bit more about today. Defensive lineman Alfred Collins from Bastrop Cedar Creek. Defensive lineman Princey Umamelian from Maynard. Running back Cavante Bradford, athlete out of uh, Lancaster. And then Duncanville cornerback Ennis Rakestraw. Mike, you want to start us off with Savion Williams since he's a, a new name to a lot of people? Yeah, Savion Williams is a guy that if you go back and look at as soon as um, the, the first signing period ended, I wrote an article about guys that Texas could pursue in the second signing period, and, and Savion Williams was at the top of that list. I think losing Quentin Johnston, Texas is looking for size and athleticism on the outside, and I think that Savion Williams from Marshall brings that you know in spades. I saw that Marshall team last year um, against uh, Huntsville in the playoffs and in the state semifinals or uh, maybe uh, regional final and they were just a, an incredibly athletic team and Williams was the most athletic guy on that team so um, a, a big kid at about 6'4 uh, could run plays basketball does a little bit of track I think is is probably a more raw version of 
of Quentin Johnston, but a guy that could certainly add a lot of athleticism and, and size to the outside. Uh, Texas offered after he had already set a top three of TCU, SMU, and um, Arkansas. Uh, he is a former Arkansas commit, but I think the Texas offer is going to open some doors. I would, uh, from what I'm hearing, and I haven't got this confirmed yet, but I am expecting him to make a visit the last weekend of uh, the year, basically right before signing day. And um, if that happens, I think Texas has a really good job, to over, uh, really good shot to overtake this. Talking to people in Marshall, I think that Andre Coleman's done a really good job in the very short term. Um, period that he's been able to do it uh i've gotten a lot of good feedback on him from recruiting savion and um i think that that is a kid that is is right there for the taking gotcha and and he is uh correct me if i'm wrong but you you think he if if texas weren't involved was it was he leaning to tcu what was the deal um I would. I think SMU would probably be my pick if, if Texas wasn't involved. I think TCU is certainly up there. Um, I talked to some sources from all those schools, and it sounds like uh, you know they're all. It's kind of a Mexican standoff type of thing where each school, like I think Arkansas is worried about TCU, and TCU is worried about SMU, and SMU is worried about Arkansas. Um, so that to me says there's no real clear view on where he's going. But I think I would probably lean with SMU having the most. A recent impactful visit or TCU with uh, you know with their history. Okay, so let me ask you this. I mean, are, you put out a list about a month ago, month and a half ago, of guys that Texas could eventually go on. You not only had Savion Williams on that on that list, you also had uh, Jalen Ford, the linebacker from Frisco. Uh, you know, did you have some insight there, and that's why you were uh, putting those guys' names forward, or was this more of you've seen them play and hey, these are guys Texas needs to look at? A little bit of both. Um, I knew that uh, I, I had no insight on Savian Williams because, uh, from what my understanding, Texas had not really pursued Savian Williams. He was just a guy that I really liked, and, and the same could be said for Jalen Ford, a guy I saw in his sophomore season. And in this state, when you're looking at linebackers, you just can't be picky. You know, with the uh, it's really a, a down position year in and year out. So you have to find guys who have traits more than than proven on the field uh, ability. And I think that Jalen Ford fit everything in that mold. Now, I did know before I wrote that article that Texas had gone in home with him um, the week before, uh, basically early signing day, but. Um, Outside of that, you know, I, I he was just a guy that I would have probably recommended anyways. Okay. So, and he may visit the last weekend. Kelvante Dixon, the brother of Keontae Ingram, uh, is visiting this weekend? Yes, the 24th. That's this weekend, right? Yep. Okay. Yes, it is. And he, he absolutely starred in the state championship game. Yeah, you know, a big, uh, not big, I wouldn't say, but long, uh, twitchy receiver who can run sub-11, uh, you know, 100 meters and um, showed showed some big playability at state uh, to get downfield and make some big plays. And I think a play receiver could play a little bit of running back. I actually love his body frame for corner. Um, but really, I think as a guy that you can you can play just about anything. I think Texas started looking at him, um, you know, when they figured out that they needed a slot in this class. And I think he's kind of the look for their slot position. But I I see him kind of as an outside guy that more can stretch the field from the Z position. Um, but that's just me. It's just my opinion. Hey, hey, here's something to re- remember about him. Not only is Keontae Ingram a, a, 
a plus guy for Texas, and this is his brother. But Calvante, when I think he ripped his knee basically as a sophomore, came back as a junior, and in the, the spring of last year, so basically a year ago, he ran that he ran ten seven ten eight. So uh, he's he's got some legit speed, and it's not because. You know, it's he's he's got some twitch to him, and he he looked really really good in that uh, state championship game, in my opinion. Um, of the two defensive linemen, we spent a lot of time on Alfred Collins, Mike. Mm-hmm. Till Princey Umamelian is a guy that was initially committed or had initially committed to Texas, backed off that pledge after uh, some players that were on the team at the time soured him on Texas. Uh, one of them, I think, just uh, uh, transferred to Butler Community College. But my question is, where does Texas sit with Princely, and what is the um, why the the change for him all of a sudden? Well, I think it's more of a case of he's just running out of a lot of options. You know, I think that Baylor presented a really good option for him back when Matt Rule was there, but I think now. Um, he's basically eliminated Baylor from his mix. And so you're looking at a guy that is, when he looks at realistic options, Texas is there for him. Uh, Florida's there for him. I think Auburn's probably there for him. He's talking about taking a visit to Alabama. I can't see, you know, unless Alabama just wants to add another guy, I can't see them really pushing for him. So, you know, right now, the way I look at it, um, I, I think that, Texas is is going to be there in the end as the most attractive option, and they really do you know really do like him and want him. I think that um, they tried to show him that as much as possible over the weekend when he was on campus last weekend, and um, I think that the return to the four man front, which he's always talked about, has been big for them. Um, I, in the end, I just I kind of see it being a case of him looking around and and maybe saying, okay, this is, you know, I was originally committed here. They have what I want now as far as a defensive scheme, um, have some guys I'm close with. I think I'm just going to end up staying home, but we'll see still, still a couple weeks to play out. Yeah. And as much as you say, you, you think he may be running out of options. My understanding is that Chris, this is one of the guys that Chris Ash, the new defense coordinator for Texas targeted immediately upon getting the job. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's he's he's not running out of options at Texas. They they absolutely love him. But um, uh, I think nationally, when you look at other schools that might attract him away, I think that Texas is getting looks. He he visited last week. I think there's a chance he takes an official visit before the end of the year, because more in part of you know schools like Baylor dropping out of the the running for him and. Um, you know him coming back, and uh, you know one thing he mentioned to us was that just the interaction was a lot less awkward than he thought it was going to be coming back a- a- after decommitting, and I think that that put his mind at ease a little bit. Well, that's good. I mean, even if he doesn't end up at Texas, at least that's off his conscience, so to speak. You know, that's that's a good thing for him. Uh, I will say this: you mentioned that you can't see Alabama taking him late. Um, I will I will tell you this, and having followed Nick Saban for the last. 20 years in recruiting while at both uh, Alabama and LSU and even Michigan State, he will take big bodies late. Right, right. No, I, nobody, that's nobody I, thinks he will. Nobody thinks he will. But he, he, and he'll actually make room in a class by by bumping somebody else to a gray shirt or something like that. So if if that's the case, just 
be aware that that Saban will bump people. And I, my guess is, is that uh, a school like Auburn would too. So, yeah, I think Auburn's actually in it for him. Regardless, they're not. He's not any sort of backup for them. I think they're pushed. Well, I think Auburn and Florida, the schools pushing most right now, outside of Texas. Okay. Um, anything we mentioned, Alfred Collins, in, in conjunction with with Princely. Anything on on Alfred at this point? Uh, just I continue to feel really good about everything with Alfred. Um, I think that you know he took the official vi- unofficial visit um, last weekend and talked about after that maybe taking unofficial visits to Oklahoma and Alabama, which were basically his top three. He's, he also announced that he was dropping Baylor from consideration, um, but. You know, I talked to his mom, and she said, absolutely not. We're not taking on officials to, to Alabama and Oklahoma. And uh, I look into that how you will. I think it's more just a case of, you know, she's got other stuff going on. She's got – Alfred's got siblings. They can't stop their life to take all these unofficial visits. It's doable at Texas because they're right down the road, but she's not driving to Tuscaloosa, Norman, um, you know, at this point. So I think that that bodes really well. Texas probably got the last visit for him. Um I think that everything has been trending really well. Like I said, I'm I'm sticking to my guns on this one, and I may go down, go down swinging. I may look terribly wrong, but I, I think at this point, I'm unless I hear something that that just majorly changes my mind. Um, I've been pretty much since San Antonio and the All American Bowl on board with uh, Texas being the overwhelming favorite. Is he a running back for sure, or other positions, or just? I, I mean, he's got speed, he's got size. Obviously, looks good running the ball. I just wanting to know if, are, if that's the only position he might be able to play. Are we talking about Alfred? No, I'm sorry. I, I was already on to Kevontae Bradford. Holy cow. My, my bad. I thought I missed something. I, yeah, no, I, I, I've, been, I've been focused on Kevontae Bradford because that's who I was going to uh, push the conversation to next, Mike. Kevontae Bradford yeah. running back out of Lancaster. Uh, thanks for your note on Alfred Collins. I feel silly now. But, oh, it happens. Uh, Brad, what, tell me about Cavante. Yeah, Cavante Bradford, a speedster from Lancaster, a one-cut guy, big body. I think he's a bigger – he was what I would call a bigger, faster version of Ty Jordan. Um, I think they a lot. They could do a lot of the same things. You think he's faster than, than Ty Jordan? I think he's at least as fast. I mean, he runs varsity track at Lancaster, which is one of the best um, – Yeah, I knew he was on the sprint relay. Track right? teams at the state, yeah. I mean, if you run varsity track at Lancaster, even as a football player, that's saying something. Um, that is a fast, fast school. Uh, but he is a, a guy that could play running back. He could play a little slot. I think he could play safety. Um, he could play a, a few all-around positions, but I really like him at running back and a little bit of slot. Um, he's not quite as shifty, I think, as Jordan, but a guy that can hit the whole one cut and, and burst and run by everybody in the secondary. Um, I, Texas is actually there right now as we're recording this podcast. Um, and I think still working, still working, hearing some movement there. Um, Got to get him in on an official visit. I, I I just can't stress it enough. I think LSU is pushing really hard for him right now. And if you're Kevontre Bradford, you know, LSU is going to be extremely appetizing to look at after winning the national championship and seeing that offense. So I think that, that Texas is going to have to do everything they can to get him on campus for the last week of this of the year and, and close him. Okay, and and LSU is the primary competition and only competition really at this point. 
Um, I think LSU's in there. Uh, I haven't really heard a lot of other schools, but Cavantry doesn't really talk a lot, so you, it's more about talking to the coaches at his school. I am supposed to go by uh, Lancaster sometime this week to observe their off season and 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 talk to some guys over there. So uh, I'll see what I can dig up when I'm there. Okay, so you mentioned we talked about Savion Williams at the outset. Another another uh, player that uh, is somewhat late to the recruiting scene for Texas is the cornerback out of uh, Duncanville, Ennis Rakestraw. Yeah, and it is, uh, over, I also mentioned that over the weekend, you know, we put out there that Texas basically had, had dropped out of the recruitment of Isaiah Dunson, the Tucker, Georgia cornerback, um, and sounded like really hadn't been in contact with him. That was more of a, a Jason Washington offer, and um, I don't think the new staff was as on board with it. I think had Dunson come in and they pushed for him, he'd be a Texas commit, but – the staff decided to go another way, and um, you know I think and Dudson went ahead and committed to uh, Miami. So that puts all the the importance on Ennis Rakestraw, the corner out of Duncanville, um, who has just exploded in this last month. I think that uh, with Rakestraw, Texas is really pushing. You know Nick Saban went in home this week, but uh, talked to a source earlier today that really didn't worry about. Um, Nick Saban in, in Alabama as much as they worried about Missouri. Uh, Missouri's been in it probably the longest of the big schools for uh, Rake Straw, and I think that Texas is is working. Um, I didn't like the way this one was trending earlier in the week, but heard some information today that gives me a little bit of, of hope there. I think we could possibly see Rake Straw set up a visit within the next day or two, and then that would probably be either a midweek visit or maybe he bumps one of the other top schools. But um, for me, I think that this is obviously an important target because you want to find that second corner. So gun to your head, of the six, Dixon, Williams, Collins, Umamillion, Bradford, and Rakestraw, how many does Texas sign? Let me um, let me do it this Dixon? way. Let me do it this way. I'll say – that I would be incredibly surprised if they did not sign Collins and Dixon. Okay, so that's two. Um, then you have less Savion Williams, Umamillion, Bradford, and Rakestraw. I would give the next tier of whatever chances to um, probably Savion Williams and Umamillion. And I would probably put Rakestraw and Cavantre Bradford as like the, the bottom two just because, you know, the information's a little bit all over the place there right now. Gotcha. So if, if this holds um, and, say, Texas adds two um, uh, recruits to the, to the deal, that'll, make, that'll put Texas at 19 commitments? Yes. Um, anything more than that, say Williams, they get up over 20. So that, they still have some spots, maybe. Um, do they look in the grad transfer market? And if so, what positions, potentially? I think, or JUCO. Yeah, I mean, JUCO grad transfer, it's all up there. I think that they proved last year, taking guys like Willie Tyler after the signing period and uh, Juwan Mitchell, that they can go find those those special JUCO cases and, and get it done. Um, I think if you're looking at positions for the transfer portal or juco i would look at receiver i would look at offensive line and i would probably look at linebacker um just because those are i I think they're always willing to add an offensive lineman um just because 
you know, you can never have the value of, of you know of a guy that with a lot of experience stepping into your offensive line unit until you've got a fully built unit. And, and I don't, I still don't think they have a fully built unit. So um, wouldn't surprise me to see an offensive line guy there. Wide receiver is interesting because they've recruited so many numbers there over the last couple of years. But if you think about them losing guys like uh, Colin Johnson and and Devin Duvernay, um, there's obviously going to be a need for experience there. And then linebacker, just because it's it, they're difficult to find in state. Yeah, and and I will say this: they also had some late success with linebacker last year, taking Juwan Mitchell after signing day, right? Right. And then um, you mentioned Willie Tyler, and I do want to add this. I've heard – I actually heard some really, really positive reviews on Willie Tyler during bowl practice, which was somewhat surprising because the initial reviews were not all there. He was very athletic but not necessarily ready to play, and I actually heard he got some, some good reps uh, down at the bowl practice, so that could be a guy to watch uh, for next season. Uh, of course, you know – with grad transfers, and this is something Tom Herman has been, I think, emphatic about, is that when we get a grad transfer, it has to be a guy that's going to play. He just doesn't want them to come and sit, you know, because it, he can have other guys that, that are on, on, the, on the field and take up roster spots that can come and sit, you know. And so I think that, that actually uh, narrows the, the field somewhat uh, because Texas is getting uh, – older and more experienced on its roster right now uh so it'll be interesting to me to see if if they uh are able to to grab any of those uh guys to feel fill late needs so mike i, I mentioned also at the outset that uh, texas had a uh, uh group of 2021s in uh this past weekend for their elite day uh you were there for that uh, event and so can you touch on uh, perhaps some of the highlights for texas fans yeah i think it was really uh just an extended meet and greet type of thing for the new coaches and um in a state in a place like that or, or a setup like that what i'm really looking for is feedback on those new coaches what are the initial reactions am i going to get a just a standard reply on a coach or am i going to get some real enthusiasm on on maybe a conversation a recruit or a parent had with a coach and uh for the most okay, part so I which think, coaches yeah which coaches that's a great great point which coaches stood out early uh, jay valai the the cornerbacks coach is a guy that continues i i i joke that um because I've written so many over the last week of just, hey, this is, uh, you know, the coaches were out and a high school coach called me and told me this. And here's here's some feedback for you guys. A lot of that's been on Jay Valai because he's been really impressive early on in the recruiting trail. Um, and I joked that this is not going to become a website where we just constantly update update you on Jay Valai and what he had for breakfast. But, you know, he continues to be a guy I hear a lot of great things about. Uh, as far as his, you know, just his ability to relate. A lot of kids talked about him like he's a big brother, which kind of affirms what we thought about him basically being a Brian Carrington type, but on the field. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of the defensive backs I talked to really liked him. And, um, you know, he's out there working hard. And I, I think he's going to be a, a plus-plus recruiter for for Texas. Um I think the best news is a lot of positive stuff on the coordinators. So Chris Ash, um, a lot of parents talked to me about how authentic they felt Chris Ash was um, with their recruiting. 
uh, a lot more involved than Todd Orlando was previously. And as much as they like the relationships they have with their position coach, they obviously want to know that the coordinator is is also on board with their kid. Um, and so I think that there was a lot more involvement there from Chris Ash than there had been from Todd Orlando in the past. On the offensive side of the ball, I think Jeff Howe is going to have a great uh, long-form piece out this week. But he talked to Jalen Milrow, uh, the quarterback commit from Katie Taylor uh, Tompkins, about his conversation with Mike Yersich and offensive usage and all those things for a while. And um, so he, he's going to prepare something there. But, uh, you know, everything came off well with Yersich, um, especially with, with Milrow and LJ Johnson, the running back from Cy Fair. So I think for the most part, oh, and then uh, one other coach that, whose, whose name stuck out was uh, was Coleman Hutzler, the, the linebacker coach. Um, in talking to Derek Harris, the, the lone linebacker commit in the class, he he, you know, really liked his enthusiasm and, and the plan they had for him. So, um, for the most part, I think that Texas came away. They, they, you know, strengthening basically all their commitments. I think that they rose in a couple of kids' eyes when you talk about Marcus Burris, uh, the defensive lineman from Pleasant Grove. When you talk about L.J. Johnson and talk about Terrence Cooks, the linebacker from Shadow Creek, I think that they went stock up on all those kids. So, uh, no commitments or anything, but I would measure it as a successful weekend. Yeah. Okay. And then what about – you mentioned 2021s um, and the, those certain players. Uh, they have anybody in this weekend that you're aware of? Yeah, there will be a couple guys. Um, right now it looks like Bobby Taylor Jr. Uh, there's a name for you, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> the 2022 cornerback uh, from uh, Katy, uh, son of former Longview great and NFL great Bobby Taylor is going to be in uh, for a visit. Uh, Denver Harris, the 2022 a corner all-star cornerback from North Shore who has got just about every offer in the world already uh, is planning to be there. And then uh, Ishmael Ibrahim, the 2021 corner, probably the top corner on the Texas board uh, in 21 from Dallas Kimball, is, is supposed to be making his way in as well. Hey, you mentioned Bobby Taylor Jr., obviously. That is the son of Bobby Taylor that played at Longview for Notre Dame and then for uh, – uh, uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. the same Bobby Taylor. Okay. Well, I saw him play three sports in high school. Um, he was pretty good then? Yeah. Football, he was tremendous, obviously. But saw him in the state finals in basketball in Class 5A. He, I mean, he was just – he lived above the rim. And then uh, also saw him – I think he was on the 4 by 4 or the 4 by one for Longview at the state meet. And then he also ran the 400. Uh, so, you know, what he played 10 years in the league to for the Eagles as probably the first plus-sized corner of the modern era. Like, he was a 6'3", good, tall, lanky corner at a time when there weren't many long, tall corners. And that that takes me – that'll be a segue to tell you that, that also we mentioned new staff members and Andre Coleman and – uh, Coleman Hutzler and uh, Chris Ash, Mike Gersich, uh, uh as well as Jay Valai. Uh, Jay Bulware <laughs> is another one for me. And I, I was actually on campus at Texas working for the football team when Jay Bulware took his official visit to Texas. So <laughs> now he's the, the tight ends uh, special teams coach for the University of Texas. So uh, when you think about getting old in life, uh, th- those are the things that, that pass you and you just blink of an eye. I, I, I literally can remember Jay when he 
he actually played a couple years at Texas and then had to quit because of an injury. And I just remember, ah, oh, he was going to start. And then all of a sudden he was no more. Uh, and he, he, he then immediately, what I also saw was interesting because not everybody that had to be forced out of football at that time for a scholarship athlete, Jay immediately went into student coaching um, and was on the field with the, with the offensive lineman. Others uh, might decide to just take their st- scholarship and, you know, free room and board and, and go with it. But uh, Jay actually uh, stayed with the football team uh, that time too. So I'm, uh, it's always good to see a, a Longhorn come back into the fold and after several years at Oklahoma. Uh, see if some of that uh, Big 12 championship can rub off on the Longhorns. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mike, you have anything else you need to mention uh, before we get get going today? Uh, Nothing really. Just going to finish out these two weeks. Uh, This weekend I'll be headed to the DFW Coaches Clinic um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with all the the high school coaches coming in. It's probably the biggest clinic in Texas for that. And um, I'm going to try to dig up some content there, talk to some some coaches, see what they know about some certain guys, and, and see what I can bring you. Um, Mike, real quick on the – we also – before we I, I leave you, we did have a question of the week that set the go for tomorrow, and I wanted to get your feedback on what it was. And, and this is something that Taylor Estes puts together for all of us on the, on the site on a weekly basis. And this question was recruiting-related, and I want to get some color from you on it. And that's – um, that's strictly about, uh, I guess, uh, uh, who you think of the early enrollees will have the most impact in year one. So which ones, who did you end up picking in that, that, uh, question? I went a little off the map on where I might go. I thought about the guys who are on campus and, um, and I think that, I think that, Troy O'Meary, the wide receiver from Fort Bend, Austin, is my pick. Be just because. <laughs> if you want to look, that's who I picked, by the way. Well, good that I'm not alone. Um, if you want to no. look at a position of need, we talked about it earlier. Texas needs size and athleticism on the outside. Look, I was a guy who was initially pretty down on Troy O'Meary as a prospect, and late in the season saw him, and he changed my mind. Um, I think that that's a guy that came in ready to work. Came in in phenomenal shape from what I saw right before you know he enrolled, and I think that that's a guy that could go out there and compete immediately for playing time at outside receiver. Well, and and plus Malcolm Epps may be moving in, and so that opens up a spot. I mean, I, I think there's a bunch of things. The other guy that came close to getting my vote, and I and I thought about it long and hard before I, I opted for Omir instead. Instead was actually Hudson Card, and I say that because I think he's one one injury away from playing, from competing with Casey Thompson. Um, and I know he's not ready to, and I know he's been injured and all this other stuff, but frankly, with Roshan Johnson moving full-time to running back like he did, uh, there's nobody in line after Casey Thompson. And so if Sam Ellinger goes down, it's a Casey Thompson-Hudson card duel in uh, spring football. So that was yeah. the other one that came close. But I went with Omir because of – I think positional awareness, uh, uh, kind of like we said, wide receiver potential grad transfer. Even I mean, if if that were ever come to pass, that's that was one of my thought processes on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I can align with you there. I just thought that maybe O'Meary had the uh, easier path to to make it. Yep. 
All right. Well, hey, that's it for this week's State of Recruiting. Um, thanks to Mike Roach. Uh, Mike uh, offers his unparalleled insight into recruiting on the 40 acres each and every week. He crisscrosses the state, watching and talking to Blue Trip recruits and informing us about it. Uh, the State of Recruiting is taped uh, every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook them. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.